afternoon, good evening, uh, all my dear friends, fans, and colleagues, no matter where you are and when you're listening, welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And uh, that little snippet uh, was a cut from Alea Deo's um, CD called Awaken. And um, it does really seem like it's time to awaken, doesn't it? Um, everybody I know is talking about um, uh, frequencies and other dimensions and ascension. And it uh, seems like that's just on the lips of everyone. And um, myself, I'm even starting to see uh, values of the sacred feminine, for instance, as a vehicle uh, toward ascension and vibrating on a higher frequency and stuff. Uh, if you're on my newsletter, you will um, hear more about that. Well, read more about that. It's not a talking newsletter, obviously. Um, and if you're not on the newsletter, uh, email me uh, or go to my website, karentate.net, and subscribe. And, um, you know, you will get a newsletter uh, every month uh, and uh, have a chance to read uh you know, short little writings about the bees that are buzzing around in my bonnet. And um, today uh, we're going to be talking about a topic that uh, seems like it's also on everyone's lips, and uh, it is ecosomatics. Uh, there's hardly a day I um, open up the computer and uh, go online, and uh, there's someone talking about eco. Uh, somatics, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today, uh, embodiment practices for healing, and uh, I am with Cheryl Pallant. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about her, and uh, then we're going to jump in and uh, talk about the topic of ecosomatics. Uh, Cheryl's an author, a poet, an energy healer, dancer, um, a meditation teacher and faculty member at the University of Richmond. Her most recent book is uh, Ecosomatics, Embodiment Practices for a World in Search of Healing. She's previously published uh, several nonfiction books on dance, writing, and consciousness, and several collections of poetry, and she's a contributing writer uh, to uh, Spirituality and Health magazine, and uh, she also wears the hat of a Reiki healer. Uh, and a healing touch practitioner. So Cheryl, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Hey Karen, thank you for having me on. Well, I'm really glad to be chatting with you uh, because uh, this is a topic I will admit uh, I don't know a lot about and uh, it does seem to be um, you know, on people's lips and in the news a lot lately. Um, let me ask you what it is first, and then I want to know what motivated you to write the book. So uh, for those of us, you know, like we just, you know, we just awakened yesterday, uh, what is ecosomatics? Yeah, so ecosomatics is an emerging field. So it, it's pretty young, but it's the crossover between ecology, so our understanding of, you know, the ecosystems, and somatics, and somatics is the personal or subjective experience of one's own body. And so it's about how the two of them interact with each other. So, we, so I often um, refer to these as we talk about the, our personal body, but in ecosomatics, the personal body includes the earth body or the earth body or the globe, the planet, also includes our personal body. And so this all came about, I mean, I started writing this in 2018 when my awareness of what was going on ecologically, climate change, climate crisis, climate emergency, um, it just rattled me so much. I said, what else? can I do? What more can I do? And what came up, and it came up as a huge intuitive hit, because I was actually at the time working on a poetry book, and this voice very strongly said, no, you got to pause that book and get writing on this. And that uh, my understanding is that 
if we are not working on becoming more whole, becoming more of who we are, um, then that is hurting the earth. Or to put it, you know, you can do it the reverse way too. If we're not doing something for the earth, then we are hurting ourselves. So Mm. it doesn't mean that you've got to do anything really big. But even just listening a little closer to your body is going to be beneficial. So let me get, throw out two uh, two hypothetical scenarios to you, and you tell me if these are examples of ecosomatics for my own understanding. Okay. And you were pretty clear yeah. there, but let me give you like these real-world ideas. Um, okay. When I was researching my book, Sacred Places of Goddess, and I wanted uh, it to be sacred places on every continent, when I got to Australia, um, I had to go to the Aboriginal women's business sites, and I was reading a lot about the, how the Aborigines are uh, connected so closely to the earth, and women actually said that they are so tied to Mother Earth and I don't know if they use that term, Mother Earth, but I'm just using it here for our Western understanding. Uh, if somebody went in, um, you know, uh, pounded a post into the earth, you know, to like make a fence, a fence post, they would feel it in their body. Um, that's that's one, and hold your answer till the second one. Um, I was with some women yesterday, and one of the women said, you know, until we just get over this hate, um, the world is not going to stop burning, meaning the fires all over. And I wonder right. if either, if both or either are examples of what you're talking about. Well, I, I agree, both. Um, indigenous people generally are much more uh, close to the earth than uh, Westerners are. So, yeah, they're very aware that the earth is very much alive. And if you bang that post in without a sensitivity to what else is around in the earth, then, I mean, maybe you feel it in your body, but maybe even more directly you are... Um, disrupting um, maybe it's some mushrooms that are growing or maybe it's right in the middle of, you know, a field that's producing food or maybe it's not even, um, you're not even aware of the food. But the thing is just to have a sensitivity to if I take from the earth, which we all do, and indigenous people too because everybody eats, then there's also um, a place in which you must also give back to. So it's not like as often happens in Western culture where I've heard too many people say, oh, look, there's nothing here, you know, as they're looking over a field or woods and they say nothing. They say, I'm just going Mm -hmm. to, you know, put a house here. It's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you do that, kind of check out what's what is growing there or what the energy is there. So so that would be an example of that. And yes, very much connected. And, you know, another um, example I think of is, um, you know, I, I live in Virginia. I'm about a thousand miles from the Canadian wildfires. And you, you might think, oh, I'm safe from, you know, the smoke. Well, guess what? No. So, Every action we take, and I would even say as much every thought we have, is impacting someone or something else somewhere. So just in the way that you said hate, yeah, hate has a very uh, particular energy about it, and it's a, a killing energy. I mean, you know, the energy that I would hope people... Um, entertain within themselves and cultivate is self-compassion and, you know, love. And then when you experience that with yourself, then you, by nature, extend it outside yourself or go the other way. Give it to somebody else 
And, I mean, you're starting a whole ripple effect, and then it starts eventually coming back to you. Just why if you feel lonely, well, just kind of extend your hand to somebody else, and next thing you know it, you're feeling a little more connected. So, yeah, you, yeah. you got the definition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get it. And so, um, uh, you know, and it's it's interesting. It uh, I, it never ceases to amaze me in a way how some of my interviews here overlap one another, and it's not intentional. It just seems to happen that way. I was recently interviewing a woman, and we were talking about how we lost the commons, like our common ground, um, uh, you know, because it, it used to be, you know, people could plant and hunt, um, you know, out on the land, and it didn't belong to a king or, a, you know, a, a landlord or something like that. So they were able to be self-sufficient. And uh, mm-hmm. the conversation turned to how, um, you know, this idea that if the if the land wasn't producing something that you could sell, then it was being wasted. You know, and, uh, you know, it's uh, totally disregarded the idea that, um, you know, the ecosystem and uh, how the trees talk to one another and for nothing else, the beauty of it, for for heaven's sake, you know, and we know now nature heals us as well. And um, so I want to, I wanna, you know, put a finer point on this. You know, you said that, okay, so maybe if you're digging the post hole, um, you know, you're not necessarily aware of uh, something growing nearby. But, you know, I started thinking about ley lines or, um, you know, maybe just the energy of, of the earth itself. I mean, am I taking it too far? <laughs> to say, you know, I don't know, if we scrape off a mountaintop or we dig a hole for a mine or, um, you know, it, if if um, if the earth is a living thing, um, you know, or we, you know, are we wounding her is, you know, in some way, um, you know, it, it, like she's a sentient being that we're scraping her skin or penetrating into her deeper internal layers. I mean, am I taking it a little too far with all of that? Um, no. I mean, she... she... She, I don't know, I don't necessarily put pronouns, but I'll just say she because often um, the earth is referred to as a she. I mean, if you just look ecologically around the globe, there are areas of the country that are dying or dead. You know, lakes are gone or what once was a, a vibrant jungle is now a desert and and the the, the earth is just being blown into the air and it doesn't produce any plants whatsoever. So, I mean, that that's already been happening. And similarly, it, you know, it's already happening to us and it's been happening. I mean, if you want to look at um, cancer rates or all sorts of autoimmune illnesses. So, if, you know, and it's not like we can't, put a, a house somewhere or we can't put that post in somewhere because we're going to have to do it somewhere somehow but to do it in such a way that we're being respectful and we're honoring um, place and we're honoring body so not only yes we're honoring where we are but also honoring um, our own self and just as you said, you know, you, you walk out into nature, just even 10 minutes, and typically your stress level goes down. And that's part of the healing properties of nature, that some of the natural rhythms that if we're in our house all day, we're usually attuned to the rhythms of our phone, our iPhone, the notifications, or we listen to the sound of the refrigerator or the air conditioner, whatever it is, and we're not attuned to the sound of the birds or the vibration or sound of the insects or the smell of, of the earth. But it's also about how well are we attending to our own body. So I, I refer to, I mean, there's two terms to use. There's 
um, somatic literacy, so how well do we tend to the phenomena of our body, and ecosomatic listening. So are we listening both to self or how our self interacts with nature? And I use that word nature slowly right then because I think we are nature as much as a bee is nature or a flower or a rhinoceros. So we're all nature. So that's part of it too, to recognize the interconnection of all life. So I, I think what I'm hearing you say, um, and forgive mm-hmm. me if this is, is this is like kindergarten, um, but um, you know, a lot of us probably for years now have t- been talking about the fact that we're all interconnected, we're all part of the cosmic web, so to speak. Um, but this is sort of that, but taking it almost to another level, where you're saying that. Mm, yeah, we're connected to the cosmic web. We're, you know, we're like a cell in this huge organism, and um, not. It, it, and we have to realize that um, when we do things to our environment, that we can expect it to affect our body. Uh, or our psyche, and I think that's the part maybe that is this new emerging science uh, belief system, right. if you will. Is that yeah. what's taken this up a notch? I think so, and you know, my premise is also, I mean, pay greater attention to your own body because we typically are largely disembodied. I mean, we're aware of when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're stressed, but do we know what prompts the stress? Um, do we give our body what it is craving um, day by day, let alone moment by moment? You know, many of us have, you know, we have jobs, we have to work, but do we have the kind of jobs that say, that allow us to take off for an hour or take off for the day? Um, so usually there's a lot of external impositions on our time but also how we perceive ourselves so you know our education is about learn about the uh, anatomy of the body so we look at the pictures of the body in an objective way we look outside ourselves but each one of us is unique and do we experience our uniqueness so how are we, do we allow ourselves the intimacy of our own body and just knowing all the, I mean, the, well, there's millions of phenomena that is going on in, in any given moment. So no, um, I would not want just anyone to kind of be aware of all that. It would be very overwhelming. But are you aware of when your temperature shifts up or down and then why that might be the case? Or why, you know, there's a certain, um, oh, there might even be a kind of numb zone about a certain part of your body. And do you know why that is? Or maybe there's some burning sensation in a part of your body. Do you know what that's about? And so, you know, our body is always giving us signals of what's going on with ourselves. But do we tend to it or do we understand what it is? And, in, and and typically, oh, I'm having a sensation. It feels a little uncomfortable. Quick, let me get the Tylenol. So then we quickly mask over what's going on and we impose kind of this outside force. And it's not that I'm against taking Tylenol. I'm grateful for it. But, but to be uh, cognizant or listen to the voice of, you know, the pain or the discomfort in the same way that, you know, are we cognizant of what's going on with the earth and I think more recently we are because oh my gosh there's a big flood or there's a big wildfire so it's taken an extreme event for us to wake up to some of our behaviors like gee maybe 
um, driving that vehicle that gets two miles to the gallon is not the best use of resources. Right. So I think. Well, and go on. Go ahead. <laughs> you go. You're the guest. Um, and and similarly, we get to a point with our body that we're in excruciating pain, and I say, you know, I, I I suppose I really do have to go to the doctor, but. You know, our body's giving us signals all along, and are we paying attention to those? And it yeah. might mean the body's just saying, hey, I really want to go to the beach today. I don't really want to be doing the work I'm doing. And again, yeah. you know, can you do it then? And if maybe you don't have the type of job, you can do it then, but maybe on Saturday. Yeah. Well, and you're also making me think about the body-mind connection. <clears throat> um, I mean, I realize this is taking it to a whole other level, but I think so many people, um, and I will admit myself included, um, I, take my, I took my body for granted. I was not giving a lot of attention to the body-mind connection. And, um, you know, I've talked about this before on the show on rare occasions. You know, I had bleeding fibroids. I mean, hemorrhaging fibroids. And I eventually ended up having a hysterectomy. But a woman who I consider an elder healer, maybe even a shaman, um, you know, we did a journey and, uh, and I started to connect those bleeding fibroids to the loss and the grief that I had been experiencing during some, you know, uh, some egregious treatment we received, some, um, you know, my husband's brain injury, you know, having to deal with huge, incredible life challenges. And And I really do believe now that it was my body reacting to, you know, that and um, you know I don't think most people well I shouldn't say most people maybe more people are awake but I would you know I think about the people I grew up with for instance I think about the people who might sit at my Thanksgiving table Um, Mm -hmm. they aren't even aware of the body mind connection much less okay let's add another element here and now we're also connected to the earth Exactly, and I'm really glad to hear that you journeyed to your body and found out, you know, what was some of the stories connected to your your ailment. And, you know, and it's not always so linear, like because of this, this resulted. It's usually a multiplicity of events. Um, But just to be able to get to the story that you got to you found out that there was some unfinished business or some unresolved or uncomforted pain and that your body was wanting that much more attention and you provided it. You listened. So you probably kind of circumvented or even deterred anything more from happening. So, you know, the body's full, full of flows of energy and it just wants to keep on flowing, uh, which means sometimes, you know, or oftentimes expressing in whatever way, whether it means going for a walk or picking up a, a paintbrush or talking with a friend or petting your cat. So, you know, there's all different ways that we want to express, and yet we tend to ignore the signals of, of desire. Right. Um, Cheryl, I want to take a break um, because I want to, you know, I want to dive into um, how we can tune in, you know, how we can listen. Uh, Does it have anything to do with intuition, all of that sort of stuff? And I feel like that's a big part of the conversation, and I don't want to interrupt you. So um, I'm going to take a break here and uh, let listeners hear from um, my good friend and supporter of the show, Joe Carson. Um, she's going to be talking about uh, her Dancing with Gaia project. And uh, I do want to say to listeners, uh, if you are interested in having uh, your work or your event uh, mentioned here, um, our commercials are very affordable. <laughs> so anyway, here's uh, a word from Joe Carson about Dancing with Gaia. Come on, Davey, 
Hello. Let me say a few things about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is Drusilla Pettibone on Dearmist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example, the info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was very beautiful and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast and with so many layers. I am also pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage. It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. I know many of you have heard me talk about the uh, Divine Feminine um, web, uh, website uh, where you find out about uh, a goddess-oriented or- events uh, happening in your neighborhood or around the world. Uh, well, uh, I want to announce uh, one of these events in particular. Uh, there will be a Sacred Feminine Women's Gathering in Magical San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, November 6th through 8th. And uh, that is a beautiful small city voted uh, Travel and Leisure's most enchanting destination in Mexico in 2023. Uh, the event is uh, Calling the Circle. And uh, it will have ceremony with native facilitators, speakers who will share goddess wisdom, smaller sister discussion groups, journaling, sound healing, uh, collaborative creative experiences for everyone who attends. Uh, The intention of uh, calling the circle is to connect, inspire, empower, and celebrate the divine feminine in all of us. Uh, And the organizers uh, invite uh, you to join them, connect with the essence of goddess wisdom, learn from women considered inspirational leaders in their fields, and explore topics that include sacred feminine spirituality, ancient matriarchal cultures, ritual, creativity, and the visionary path into this new time. This Uh, will be a time to nourish and transform yourself and our world at this time of deep awakening. And if you go to the website, sacredfemininecircle.com, you'll be able to learn more and to register. So that is sacredfemininecircle.com. So, uh, if you tuned in late, uh, this is Karen Tate, uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, and my guest today is uh, Cheryl Pallant, and we're talking about her book, Ecosomatics, Embodied Practices for a World in Search of Healing. So, Cheryl, um, you know, we talked about what ecosomatics is and uh, how important it is, quite frankly. I feel like this is another kind of part of healing ourselves and uh, everything that's happening out there in the world. It's like uh, if we heal ourselves, we heal the world. Um, Share with listeners, um, you know, and again, you know, uh, speak to us like this is kindergarten, you know, because I'm sure a lot of this information um, is a lot to process for some people. You know, it's new belief systems, new concepts. Um, how can they tune in and listen um, and, you know, maybe see if this is uh, something they want to try to start doing on a regular basis? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the, the book is full of practices that um, listeners, readers can do on their own. 
um, and I, I also do workshops. But, you know, what I also try to tune into with people is like, well, what are your uh, perceptual strengths and what are your perceptual weaknesses? So if you're visually oriented, then maybe really pursue looking, but looking in a new way. I mean, one of the, say, um, I mean, I call these different kinds of intelligences, uh, an intelligence that is underutilized, and it's much more a feminine intelligence, has to do with movement or has to do with proprioceptive awareness, so an awareness of what is going on in the sensation within your body. So even just doing something as simple as taking a three-minute break from whatever you're doing of the day. Just kind of don't look, don't look at your phone, close your eyes, let your breath happen, and start just becoming aware of what's going on with your body. So do you feel weight of your body? Do you feel light? Do you feel lightheaded? Do you feel, you know, lots of activity in your head or voices in your head? And just taking a three-minute break just to do a little sensory inventory can be transformative. One, you can feel yourself kind of settle down, your stress level goes down, and then you're also tuning in more to what's going on with yourself. So, I mean... I mean, it's as simple as that. You don't have to devote an hour a day. I mean, you could if you want to. That would be fantastic. Or even something also as simple as going for a walk and just kind of looking around or smelling what might be around or feeling your body as it makes connection with the earth. It really just being attuned in that way. And you, you mentioned right before the break, you know, intuition. Yeah, really pay attention to any intuition that may show up in whichever way it shows up for yourself. And one of the words I like to use a lot is just kind of allowing, allowing what is showing up on your radar screen, screen of your awareness, just allowing it to show up and you get curious about it. Maybe engage with it or maybe don't, but just noticing it and just noticing it makes a big difference right there. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you're, you know, you're not putting, you're not making it sound woo-woo. You know what I mean? Um, you're making uh-huh. it sound very easy, easy and practical and I think, um, you know, I, I think that's important for some people who, uh, you know, may be new to all of this. And, um, you know, I don't know, uh, dare I say even a little bit nervous about it or afraid? Well, we've been really our conditioning, our training has been to be pretty oblivious to our body. I mean, we've been told by various authorities that the body's not so good. You know, it you know, and women in particular, you know, we're told that we're we're too fat, we're too skinny, we're or too bossy or too quiet. I mean, so we've got so many judgments on our bodies. But to just and and so because of all those judgments, it's almost afraid. There's a lot of fear that comes up. Just kind of just be with yourself in a neutral way or a compassionate way just to see what shows up then. And um, it's not necessarily woo at all. It is so natural. So it's like we're back to being three years old or five years old in which we were like... um, always kind of noticing everything that's going on around our environment or going on with our body, except the difference now is that we also have an adult mind that kind of understands 
some or a lot of it. So I'd say, you know, just having the curiosity about what is your experience in this moment. Not in 10 minutes, not in an hour, not in a month, but right here, right now. And, you know, put your hand on your belly or put your hand on your on on your heart and just feel what happens when you do that. Yeah. And, it's, you know, <laughs> just taking that breath gives you that much more ease. So what if somebody hasn't been practicing with their intuition or they think they have no intuitive or somatic ability? What do you say to them? Well, we all have it. You know, it's kind of like saying, um, hey, can you play, you know, are you a trumpet player? Can you play well? Um, And if you've never picked it up, then you say, Oh, I have no ability, but you don't know until you've picked it up and start blowing or start or you take some lessons. So, you know, we have not been given opportunities to play with the instrument of our own body. So if you feel very lost about this, if this all sounds like I'm speaking very um, peculiar terms, then seek out somebody who can help you enter into your own body because there's so much magic. There's so much information there. So, and there's lots of practitioners all over the country that would be more than happy to help you out. Okay. (laughs) Well, and you, um, you know, in your book, you talk about embracing the feminine principle to support health. Um, unpack yeah. that a bit. What do you mean? What do you mean? So, so that goes back to that allowing idea. So just to kind of, you know, sit for a moment and pay attention to what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And not only externally, the external senses. So you're looking around the room or you're not watching your judgments about the room. But also, you know, close your eyes. What are you hearing internally? What are you seeing internally? What are you sensing? And and just kind of being a neutral witness to that, I think of that as the feminine principle, that allowing it's a certain receptiveness. We are being receptive rather than imposing. And I think we're used to having a life of lots of impositions on our day-to-day existence. It happens, you know, we all have jobs or we have families that we're taking care of. But if you give yourself five minutes, 20 minutes a day in which you kind of close the door and, and close yourself off to the usual stimulation and just allow yourself to sit quietly and be receptive, I think of that as, you know, the feminine intelligence coming up. Okay. So um, what would a simple practice, um, I mean, you've been giving us examples, but say somebody considers themselves claircognizant, for instance. You know, they their intuition comes to them through thoughts or maybe they think it or hear it. Um, how can, how could that, type of person with that type of intuition um, maybe increase this sense of uh, of embodiment or tuning in you know somatically yeah so I mean I tip I often use movement or stillness I also use writing But if you're already experiencing some intuition or wanting to develop it further, so noticing when you get a so-called hit and documenting it somewhere. They say, oh, what was that? That, I think I I received something. The thing about claircognizance is sometimes it comes from out of the blue and you recognize it because it's out of the blue. But sometimes the knowing just shows up and it's, 
subtle. It's not like a big groundbreaking bit of information. But if you if you document it maybe in writing or maybe sharing it with a friend, then when um, the event comes to pass and you see that, oh, I had some ability to know this ahead of time or know it in a deeper way, that you've got some way of reinforcing it. And then all that reinforcement then allows that ability within you to grow even further. So it's like practice, practice, practice. You know, you can't get right. better at playing the trumpet unless you practice. And whatever clarity that you may have, the more you tend to it, the better it gets at, at growing. I mean, this is yeah. this happened with me. With you know, when I went through my training, I, I was trained in Reiki and I'm trained in Healing Touch as well. And Healing Touch, which was a three-year program, um, they spent a whole module on working with your intuition when you're working with clients. And it's like, really? I, I mean, I've had intuitive moments throughout my life, but to call on it specifically while I have either a client on my table or if I'm doing distant work, you know, when they're on the phone or, you know, the Zoom call. And so how do I recognize when I'm getting, you know, some intuitive information and how and when am I getting just kind of my own little fantasy? And that's a really good distinction to be able to uh, understand the difference between what's what, what's the other. So, and we all have intuitive abilities, some of us more so than others, but also I'm back to the practice. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I've written about in some of my books, and uh, you're, you're talking about it here, validating it for me, and, um, you know, I think about there's so many things that we know now um, myself having been a practitioner of sacred feminine um, spirituality, you know, there's so many modalities that we know we can call on now that maybe we didn't know a few decades ago. And I think if, you know, our children, you know, if we could start teaching our children these modalities like we teach our children to brush their teeth or say thank you, you know, um, you know, I, I just think what an evolved, self-aware uh, humanity we could birth, you know. Um, right. It's not that we, you know, shouldn't start doing it with ourselves, but, uh, you know, I just have this I dream, uh, wish, um, you know, and maybe it is happening, you know. Um, you know, people like us who are open to these ideas um, you know, who are putting them into practice, you know, teach their children, teach their friends, teach their communities uh, these other ways of tuning in, of being in the world, um, so that we evolve uh, as humans, I think. You know, I, I, I think it's all part of our, um, yeah, our evolution as humans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, validate the experiences of children and don't say, oh, stop being so childlike. Like, yeah, you know, they're, they're children. Stop behaving like a baby. Yeah, well, and a lot of sensitive people, um, myself included, was told really young because I was very sensitive and, and I often would cry as a result. And I was like, stop being a baby. Like, no, actually, mm-hmm. I'm picking up on a lot of information. And what if instead it was like, well, tell me what's going on, you know, what, and, and even if it was like, you know, you were having some type of fantastical experience, I mean, and often children are, what if, you know, the adult got curious about it? So I think that happens with, you know, school systems like Montessori schools in which teachers are trained to follow the process of the children as opposed to, you have to follow the curriculum, and every child needs to behave and stay in their seat and be quiet. And and it kind of goes against the natural growth cycles of each of us. And, um, I mean, I do this in my classrooms, so I'm fortunate to be in a position where 
I, I'm teaching young adults these skills. But there's the other thing of whether you have no children or you're not teaching, if you are practicing these things on your own, just as you're walking from your house to your car or walking down the street, you're emanating this in very subtle ways. And some people may be picking up on it consciously, more so we're picking up on it unconsciously, and we're just creating, you know, a better, shall I say, perfume. (laughs) You know, there's a better scent in the air, that if we can Mm -hmm. each be doing our work, our growth, and I do think we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're at a cusp right now. You know, we're at a major transformative place, as, as you've acknowledged. And a lot of people are uh, pushing against it. And then there's some who are like, yep, there's change happening. And what am I being called for? What is, what's rising up in me in this moment? And be responsive to it. Be responsive to it in a kind and compassionate way. Yeah. And I think we do have to acknowledge, you know, um, just so that we uh, are aware. Uh, You know, you said people are pushing against it. I mean, I think about the women I interviewed who, you know, maybe escaped fundamentalist religions and, you know, they're told things like yoga is dangerous, you know, because when you empty your mind, the devil's going to fill that vacuum. You know, um, stuff like this may be scary for some people. Maybe even if you left fundamentalism, you still have that conditioning in you, you know. Um, and, right. you know, maybe that even needs to be acknowledged because uh, it could block you maybe. I, I'm guessing, I guess I'm asking you, I mean, could those sorts of uh, fears block you from this being, uh, you know, an easier process? You might have to work at it a little harder maybe? Yeah, well, any belief is blocking you from sensing what is taking place in the moment, including, you know, a so-called positive belief. So, you know, maybe you're told that going to a certain park is the most beautiful park and and, and you need to go there. And so you do because you're like, okay, I'm told that this is a beautiful park. And you get there and, and you're acknowledging, yeah, yeah look at all those trees, look at the river, you know. And yet, you know, you're feeling out of sorts. You're not feeling happy. And so what, do you just override the feeling? Or do you say, okay, well, let me just feel the feeling for this moment. You know, and if it goes on for days and days and days, okay, maybe um, you should talk to somebody about it. But, you know, if it's temporary, and it typically is, I'm like, what's going on? So let's say, okay, I'm going to just sit with this feeling. And there you are, you know, you're right at the trailhead. And you're like, you're just feeling really out of sorts. And then you realize that, and and then suddenly maybe start crying. And then you start realizing you really don't like your job because it doesn't allow you to have more moments like this. And maybe in that moment you say, you know what, maybe it's time to change my job. And and as you're having all these feelings and thoughts, which is affecting your breath, which is affecting, you know, the body temperature, and you're having this go on, and then you start looking around, like maybe, you know, an owl swoops by right in front of you, and, and next thing you know, your, your attention is now more external, and suddenly you're like, oh, oh, wow, look at where I am, and then suddenly you're able to be more present where you are. So sometimes you've got to be more present within your body and sometimes more present externally. But, you know, it's, yes, the belief systems get in the way. And if you're told, oh, your body is a place of sin, which many religions promote that, then you want to be as far removed from your body as possible And unfortunately, being as far removed from your body as possible 
means that you are not in touch with who you are. You're in touch with a belief system that is outside you, which may have, you know, certainly does have some benefits, I'm sure. I don't, I mean, I'm talking very generically right now. But to, you know, the wisdom comes from having that personal relationship. So knowing yourself, feeling yourself, that's where wisdom comes and that's where healing takes place as well. And that's where genuine connection with yourself, with others, takes place. So just, you know, a minute of deep breath, just giving yourself the grace and the miracle of breath that in itself, I mean, that should be safe. I mean, as somebody who in the earlier part of my life suffered from asthma, I am so grateful regularly for the ability to breathe easily because I went through a whole process of healing my asthma. And so I'm very aware of breathing is stupendous. It's amazing. And, and I talk a lot in my workshops and classes about the quality of breath. And typically, we're not even aware of whether we're dr- breathing shallow or breathing deep and how that changes can change your emotion. It can change how you're thinking based on your breath. I mean, that's what yoga is also about, being in touch with your breath. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, um, you know, we're starting to get close to the end of our time, uh, and we've, we've, you know, spoken to a lot, uh, but is there anything I haven't thought to ask you that um, you want to share with listeners? I mean, obviously they could get your book, Ecosomatics, Embodiment Practices for a World in Search of Healing, and learn and start to do some of these practices, but is there, there anything I haven't thought to ask you? Well, um, I mean, you can, they can come to my website if they want to learn more about me and what I do. And so if you just put my name in Google, C-H-E-R-Y-L-P-A-L-L-A-N-T, you'll, you'll get to my website. Um, and I work with people individually as, and in groups. Um, but... You know, I would encourage listeners to find a place within themselves that feels judged or feels hurt and offer yourself compassion. Take a breath, put your hand on your heart, or just giving yourself that uh, um, forgiveness, I mean, that goes a long way. And then after that comes, you know, the gratitude for what you have. But just something as basic as that. And then you become grateful for so many other things that are going on in your life. You know, that you have two eyes that can see. <laughs> or that you have, uh, you know, your bed that you can sleep in. For that you yeah. you are able there aren't enough trees nearby so the air is being circulated well enough so you can breathe. Yeah. Yeah, gratitude is the magic bullet, I like to say. Yeah. Ah. Well Cheryl, thank you. Thank you for this. Um uh I I I love this new idea. I mean I think this helps us uh, as humans take things to the next level, and I think so many of us want to go there. Um, you know, thank you for giving us some practices to uh, help ourselves take this next step or leap, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share this with your listeners. And, and I agree, it's a step. Um, you can yeah. leap if you feel bold. Um, but, you know, baby steps, those are easy. Yeah, yeah, and then baby steps lead to 
lead to bigger, you know, larger steps and then, you know, maybe leaps right. and bounds. And your workshops, right. uh, do you ever do them on Zoom or are, are they just oh, in person? Yes, I, I do both. Um, so right now I have a series of workshops on Zoom um, and I do have a few workshops planned in person. And I, and I travel as well. So some workshops take place in Virginia, and there will be one taking place in California in, in March. So, um, yeah, um, but Zoom is lovely, and it's amazing how much can take place within the platform of your little screen and how much community is created. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, both. One of the benefits of COVID, I I think, right? <laughs> it has been. It's one of the gifts. Two gifts for me have been uh, finding community on Zoom, and then also turning my in-person healing practice into distant work because I didn't know that I was able to do it until I said, like, oh, there goes my practice. Let me see if I can do the distant healing. And, oh, my gosh, yes, it works. And sometimes, for some people, even better than being in person. So another gift yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, and, there and were so this, many gifts. Yeah, and see this period of wherever you are, look for the gifts. You know, pain is, is a, a mask for an opportunity. To keep looking That's for so the opportunity. That's so true. That is yeah. that is really so true. Um, okay. Well, Cheryl, thank you. I'm so glad to have had you on today. Uh, I love your message and your practices. I know how valuable they are. And, um, you know, I wish you well. And um, if anything comes up in the future that uh, you'd like listeners to know about, uh, please reach out, okay? And uh, we'll we'll chat about it on the air again. Okay. Well, thank you, Karen. It's been a delight to talk with you. All right. Bye for now. Okay. Well, that about does it for me for today, listeners. Um, I think this was a great conversation. And, um, you know, I think this can benefit uh, so many of us. I hope if this is kind of a new modality for you, new ideas, um, you know, you'll uh, take a breath and ease into it. And, um, you know, just some things that have been happening in my life recently, uh, I have total faith in this uh, this process, this idea that Cheryl uh, is talking about. So do yourself a favor. Go to her website. Pick up her book. Um, I don't know. I kind of think you can't go wrong here. It would only be um, a positive uh, influence and uh, help uh, for you, maybe even some some of uh, you know the people you love. All right. So uh, as I usually do, I like to close the show with an homage to uh, the healer, the mother goddess. Uh, Sekhmet, who teaches us to be strong, courageous, tenacious, and tells us that, you know what, it is okay to say no without guilt because we have to have healthy boundaries. All right, uh, Sekhmet, uh, we love you.